Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace at all of our campuses. We are so excited that you are here. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are overjoyed uh, that you've decided to join us today. I also want to give a special shout out to White United Methodist Church. White is a church of 50, 40 people in a town of 400, and so it's actually a fairly large church uh, for its community. White joined us for the very first time last week and will be joining us every single week in the weeks ahead. And so we're so excited. And at all campuses, can we put it up and welcome them with us? We're thrilled that they are here. This past week, I was able to sit down with your pastor and your worship leader, and we're thrilled and honored just to be a tiny, tiny part of what God is up to there. Well, right now, we are in a series called Great is Thy Faithfulness, and in this series, we're talking about the faithfulness of God and the fact that God does what he says he's going to do. Again, God does what he says he's going to do. I mean, when we say that God is faithful, it does not mean that our lives are going to be easy. And when we say that God is faithful, it does not mean that we will not face trials and hardships. Instead, when we say that God is faithful, it means that our God, he is reliable and he is steady and he is constant and his promises are true and they can be trusted. Again, when we say that God is faithful and great is thy faithfulness, we're saying that God does what he says he's going to do. Now, this is kind of a heavy and a somber way to start, uh, but I was 21 years old when I first experienced being with someone near the end of their life. It was the first time that I had ever been with someone or been near someone when they were close to to death, and it was the summer before my senior year of college, and I was filling in for a pastor up in Wapaton, North Dakota, when one day I got a phone call from another pastor, and the pastor called and said, Adam, I'm wondering if you'd go and visit this one person in the congregation. It's, it's, a, it's a lady in her 60s. Her name is Mary, and she uh, is dying of cancer, and I just wondered if you'd be willing to go, and I said, well, absolutely. I'd be honored to go, and then she said, have you ever been with someone near the end of their life? Have you, ever, have you ever been in that situation? And I said, I hadn't. I had, I had never been um, in the room before. And so she went on to tell me, she kind of explained, this pastor explained what to say and what not to say, a whole bunch of things of what not to say. And then she just kind of gave me a warning, a heads up about what I was about to walk into. She just said, hey, Adam, uh, just kind of prepare yourself uh, for what you're about to see. And so I, I got to the apartment. Uh, she had in-home hospice and uh, I'll never forget it. I walked in her apartment and close to the window at the furthest part of her apartment was the hospice bed and there uh, she was and it was hard. It was really hard. Um, again, Mary was in her 60s. Just looking at her, she, she looked like she was 90 and she actually didn't look like a woman. She looked like a man um, and she didn't even really look real. And so I get there, and I didn't even really know what to say. And honestly, again, I was 21. I was scared out of my mind. And so most of the time, I just kept the conversation with her friend, and I asked her all about Mary. And this friend told me that Mary had worked hard most of her life. She was nearing retirement. Uh, she was new, uh, a new grandma, and she was so excited about the future ahead that she had when she found out she had cancer. A couple things that I won't forget that day. The same time I was talking with Mary, uh, they were having a garage sale right outside for all of her things. It wasn't to be rude. The family was just in town. They're from out of state. And so they were having 
the garage sale. And so I prayed as quickly as I possibly could, and I left. And when I left, I got out to the car, and let's just say I was struggling big time. I got to the car, and the first thing I did is I started crying. I felt like I had done a terrible job of being a pastor. And just encouraging her. And again, like I said, I was scared. And I didn't want to come back. No part of me wanted to come back. But more than anything, honestly, I was just wrestling with questions. Like, is this really what life is all about? So we work really hard our entire lives. We get to the moment we're so excited about being a grandma, nearing retirement. We get to this place only to find out we have cancer, to die this terrible, brutal death. And so I'm wrestling with these honest questions, and I end up opening the Bible, and I open up to Acts, and I began to read the story of Stephen. And if you don't know, Stephen was the first Christian that was killed because of his faith, and he was literally stoned to death by rocks, not marijuana, just to make that clear. (laughs) I needed to break the tension in the room. I couldn't. (laughs) But I was reading the story, and right before Stephen dies, this terrible death, we're told that Stephen, he looks up into heaven, and he sees Jesus. Like Stephen is there and literally the heavens are open and he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And reading this story, it didn't take away the hurt that I was feeling for Mary. But all I could think is that this is about, this is what Mary's about to experience. Like it didn't take away the hurt I had for her and just how I was feeling about her and her just dying this brutal death. And yet Mary loved Jesus. I knew that without a question. The other pastor told me and she was about to see him face to face. And so the next day, I called Mary's friend, and I'd asked if they'd like me to stop over again. And she said, we'd love if you'd come over. So I came into the room. Mary was completely unresponsive. But I just began to read to her the story of Stephen. And I told her I was so broken and sorry for what she was experiencing. Just so sorry and broken by the pain she was going through. But in the same breath, I told her I was so excited about what she was about to experience. And I'll never forget it. Because as soon as I started telling her about my excitement, Mary's eyes opened up. Her friend stood up right away. She couldn't believe it. It was the first time in two days that Mary had opened her eyes. And I just began to share again this story, my excitement about what she was about to see. Later that night is when Mary ended up passing away. And so again, our series is called Great is Thy Faithfulness. And our focus for today is talking about the faithfulness of God, specifically when our health is failing. Like the faithfulness of God when we're walking through cancer. The faithfulness of God when someone we love is battling cancer. The faithfulness of God in the midst of pain and suffering and depression and brokenness. The faithfulness of God when we've lost someone that we dearly love. And I just got to say that honestly, I truly believe in the history of embrace, there are more people at this place right now than any other time in our history. People who are saying goodbye to loved ones. People who have, have parents that are, are under hospice care. People who have lost a spouse, lost a friend, lost a coworker. People who are battling something right now in their own life. More than any other time, it just seems like case after case. Another person in the church, dad found out pancreatic cancer, a few weeks to live. And so to get into the things for today, I just want to start by reading a few verses out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
And so at all campuses, at all churches, if you want to open up your Bibles right now, I can't encourage you enough to open up your Bible, use the Bible that you have, use the Bible on your phone, download the Bible app if you do not have the Bible with you. There's something so powerful that happens when we open up the Word of God. And in these verses, Paul is writing to a group of Christians in the city of Corinth, and, he, and he's talking to them about persecution and, and the fact that they're facing persecution for talking about Jesus. I mean, if there was anyone that you think wouldn't have to worry about dying, if there was anyone before God that you think wouldn't have to worry about physically being harmed, it'd be a group of Christians. Christians talking about Jesus with other people, right? And yet Paul, Paul tells us that it's actually just the opposite. Again, if you, you were thinking, if there was anybody that wouldn't have to worry about their health, it'd be a group of Christians, this church, telling other people about Jesus. But Paul, he says just the opposite. And starting in verse 8 of chapter, chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians, here is what Paul says. Paul says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. And then skipping to verse 16, he says, Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed day by day, every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Again, here's Paul, and he says, even though we are oppressed, and even though we are perplexed, and even though we are hunted down, and even though our bodies are dying, and they're physically falling apart, Paul says that we are never abandoned by God. It can also translate it as we are never left by God. It can also say we are never deserted by God. We are never forsaken by God himself. And out of all of this, what I simply want us to hear today, it's about as simple as it can be, what I simply want us to hear is that God's faithfulness never ends. God's faithfulness never fails even when our help does. Again, the simple promise that I want us to hear across our campuses is that God's faithfulness never ends. It never fails even though our health might fail. Translation, even when we're battling cancer and even when our life seems to be falling apart and even when a loved one is killed in a car accident, even, even when we face death itself, our God, he is still faithful. He is still with us. He still loves us. And he never abandons us. Again, God's faithfulness never fails. It never ends even when our health does. And with this, just a couple of quick things. Maybe you're just wondering, but why doesn't God still heal people? A question I've asked myself a bunch of times. Why doesn't God still heal people? The answer, he still does. I mean, I just think about so many couples even here within this church. I think about so many couples who were told they would never, ever be able to physically have kids. Like, you will never be able to be, have kids. Never, never, never. Everyone's telling them never, and then they have a bunch of kids. It doesn't happen for everybody, but, I've, man, it's happened for so many. I think about the countless people that I visited in the hospital. Within the first year of Embrace, there was a young man who, um, it was his fault, got into this terrible car accident. So in the middle of the night, I went up to the ICU, walked in, and I knew it wasn't good. Doctor told me, Adam, he's got like a 4 or 5% chance of living. His, his brother was a classmate of mine in college. He said, and, then, and he's in the medical field, and he said, my brother has no chance. Like, he, like he's, they're saying there's hope for whatever, but he has no chance only for his brother to live and still live into this day. And so God is still healing people 
But what we might struggle to understand and see is that even with the people that Jesus healed himself in the Bible, the paralyzed man, the woman that had been bleeding for years, even Lazarus, who Jesus brought back to life with all these people that Jesus healed, at some point, they all still died. What we sometimes struggle to see is that even the people that Jesus healed, at some point, their physical lives ended. I mean, I haven't seen Lazarus walking around anytime soon. I feel like he'd make the news or something, you know. Like, I haven't seen that guy, the paralyzed man on the mat. I haven't seen him walking around either, you know. And then another thing to mention, I know for myself, just being totally honest, is often I see death as the worst possible outcome. Like in my eyes, there is absolutely nothing that could possibly happen in this life. There's nothing that could possibly be worse than myself or a loved one dying. And yet the truth is, if we know Jesus, that's just not true. I cling to the physical. I just hold on to it. I fix my eyes on the scene and I hold on to it. And I go, oh, I'm fix my eyes on the unseen. But hear this. A few verses after the ones that we just read in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that our home is in heaven. And our physical bodies, they're just tents. They're just these tents that we live in. They're just these broken tents that, that, that wear down and fall apart. They're just these tents that we use for a short time here on this earth. But as followers of Jesus, we belong. And what we should be looking forward to is to be with God for the rest of eternity face to face with him. And so I say all of this, but one last thing, all of this doesn't still mean that things like cancer and physical pain and depression and brokenness and death, it doesn't mean that all those things are still not terrible. It doesn't mean that things like cancer don't still suck. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't grieve these things. I've found that oftentimes Christians are terrible at grieving much of anything. And we convince ourselves it's wrong or it's sinful to grieve. We convince ourselves that it's wrong or sinful to be honest with God about the questions that we're feeling. We convince ourselves that it's not okay to feel this or feel that. When the truth is, it's not just okay to grieve and it's not just okay to admit we're hurting. It's a healthy thing. And our God, he just longs to hear what we're actually feeling. He longs to hear and answer our honest questions. He longs for us to bring him our true heart. All the while, though, we can know that God's faithfulness never ends. It never fails even when our health does. And so again, today we're talking about God's faithfulness and in the midst of our, our, our physical failing, our, our body falling apart. And yet the truth is the worst pain I've ever personally felt is a root canal, okay? And uh, that was a bad root canal. And if, actually, if we can just take a moment of silence for my root canal, it was a beast. I also did uh, dislocate my shoulder in high school wrestling. And so uh, I'm tough, you know, and so I didn't beat the guy. I actually, he beat me, and he, but he, okay, we'll keep going. And so today uh, I wanted to invite someone who's experienced real pain and, and failing health for real. Uh, and so if you would put it up and welcome at all campuses, my, my dad, Jim Weber. I'm just going to put it up for him. Hello. And yes, I still can't believe you said yes to this. So uh, a month ago, I called dad one evening and I told him what I was thinking about and asked him the question. And my dad is about as nice as they come. 
he pretty much told me every which way except saying the word no, that he wasn't interested. So I took that as a, as a no. I was like, dad's being really nice. I'm going to take that as a no, but it was powerful. During the follow series, we talked about following the Holy Spirit. And we talked about listening to God's voice and following it. And halfway through the, the morning that day, I got a text from dad that just said, yes, I'm in. And uh, I'll come and share. And so, so honored, uh, dad, that you'd come. And just thrilled that you're with us. This, I've shared it before. My dad's my hero. And just a, a simple man. Yeah. Just a, just a simple man who has just shown me Jesus in his life more than even just his words. And so just honored to have you with us today. Thank and um, just, just to uh, start with a really heavy, serious question, I asked this the first service too. Uh, who's your favorite child? Just because, yeah. I think just for the video, just to have this yeah. recorded would be nice. <laughs> he, he's my favorite youngest son. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but dad, if you just want to share... Um, just kind of a, a, a quick summary of what you've gone through the last eight years physically. Like, just what is, yeah, just it, what you've been through the last eight years. Just to kind of give a, a back, back story on it. No problem. Um, I was diagnosed nine years ago with pudendal nerve entrapment. And the, the easiest way to explain that is if you sat on a baseball and that's where it hurts and that's how it hurts. And then I've had other complications since then, uh, but it's something that I deal with on a daily basis. And uh, throughout the whole process, um, God has been so faithful to me. And, and I'm not just saying that. There's been, there's been blessings that come from this, and it is showing me more compassion to others um, along the trail. And... Every day is a new part of the journey, and I did a lot of doctoring over the time, uh, everything from acupuncture to injections and, and physical therapists and doctors and surgeries and stimulators and er everything, but through it all, I mean, I can still keep a smile on my face. Some days it's hard to see through it. Uh, and some days when I'm asked how I'm doing, uh, I think God is ready to send that lightning bolt down there, and I'll say I'm great. <laughs> yeah. No, just to give an idea, the best way that I've ever been explained it, it'd be like if you took the seat off of a bike and then began to ride the bike, just of the pain and the location of where it is. And when he says that he's seen everybody, I mean specialists to chiropractors to every house of prayer that we've ever known um, to go to be prayed for for healing. I mean, you've kind of been through uh, the gamut with, with, with that and the things, Dad. Um, can you share, uh, like there's so much that I want to get to, um, but can you share if you've had any hard points where you've questioned God's faithfulness? Like, and being totally honest, those moments, and what does that look like for you when you've questioned God's faithfulness? Like, like what does that look like for you? Okay. Um, through the process, my faith has stayed really strong. God's faithfulness has been endless, but there have been times where I've fallen into um, the as low as I can. And, kind of woe is me. Right. And, 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 and feeling sorry for myself or 
um, just that I start isolating myself and things like this. And, and I've, I've had the depression part with it. And, and through it all, I mean, every prayer that I pray, I know that God has been there. Um, I, it's just been hard to, for me to hear his voice. And, and just to be able to take that time, some, sometimes it's impossible to pray. And, and that's where my friends and, and you have been involved with praying for me because I know he's hearing your prayers and uh, just giving me that comfort, that hope. Um, and and uh, it, it's kind of a, a cycle type thing where if things are, are really bad, it's real easy to, to get to that point to, to feel sorry for your face, for yourself. And, and um, I'm so thankful that my wife uh, picks me up in those low times and I'm there for her in her low times and, and I don't know how we'd have done it without each other through that process. Yeah. One of the things I, I wanted dad to come share so often, um, our stories in life don't end with my mom had cancer and then she was healed. So often it's my mom had cancer and then she passed on. And I honestly, in my own life, there's no one that I've more faithfully prayed for than my dad's healing. And even just the last eight years, instead of seeing progression for the good, it's gotten worse. And so I just thought there was power in even sharing that end of things. And even this last month, I think this last month was one of your, probably your lowest points, just pain and struggle with depression. And uh, one day on my way home from work, you called, and I could just tell you had a really hard day. Um. I, I'm part of a group for chronic pain, and it's a Bible study, and the people that wrote the Bible study um, have chronic pain, and um, the other people in the group um, all have different issues that they're dealing with, and some of them aren't terminal, um, so we it, it's not a woe is me um, type study. Everybody there has hope. Everybody there has compassion and uplifts each person that's there. Um, and even the, uh, we have caregivers that all, also come so that we get their input on what we should be, um, how we should be relating with others at that time, but there's so much wisdom passed around. Um, and some of you may know Mitch Pratt. Uh, he was uh, one of our key people in the group, and uh, he's been fighting terminal ca cancer uh, for about seven years. And uh, he, on the 4th of July, he passed away. Um, he was a, a wonderful part of our group where he knew where he was going to end up. And talking about death, talking about his family uh, was not a sad thing. I mean, he knew that everybody that he had touched the world with um, was going to help take care of his family. But he would look further than that. And the wisdom that he gave when he would take his last breath, and it would be his first breath in heaven. I, awesome. I, I mean, it, 
I, I went into his situation really grieving, and at the funeral, um, it just gave me a whole new light knowing he knew where he was at, and it, it, it was not a sad memorial. It, it was a praise and worship of a, a wonderful, celebrated life. Yeah, a couple of things that stuck out to me, um, both from this service and the last service that Dad said, is it's so easy to get into the woe is me mindset, isn't it? With marriage, with life, with kids, with death, with cancer, it's so easy. And I, I, Dad is a person who never complains. A couple of times I've said, I'll complain for you because I know you don't complain enough. And, but that's something for all of us. And honestly, that's scripture. Instead of focusing on ourselves, regardless of our circumstances, it's like, no, instead of focusing on myself, regardless of what I've been dealt, God, I'm going to focus on you and I'm going to focus on others. And so one of the things that I've seen dad do um, quietly, it's not something he'd ever talk about, is just look for, for people that he can serve. People who are going through a similar trial, through a similar valley, going through a hardship that he's able to say, instead of just, woe is me and like getting down and whatever, gosh, how can I look to serve someone else? And in the times that you have been low, you've been honest about it. So it's not like you're throwing on a happy face and faking it. But I've, I've seen that time and time again. One, one other quick thing too. Um, he mentioned the, the chronic pain Bible study that's a part of. It's something that people from Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota are all a part of. It's people who can't get to a physical place to have a group. Uh, if that's something that you're interested in, like the chronic pain or know someone at any campuses, have a loved one who's wrestling with that, mark it on your connection card at the other churches, let your pastor know. Uh, and we'll pass on the information for them. But one quick question I had, away from having people around you with that group, has been, has there, is there any advice that you would tell someone who's maybe lost a parent or going through cancer right now? As, what has kept your joy, basically? Like, I feel like you're so filled with joy. It's not even a fake smile. It's something gr greater. Is there any advice for someone than that, Dad? Um, it is seeking your family and friends. Um, I, I, I kind of surround myself with um, the joy of my grandkids, kids, and spouses. Um, I, I've got a picture frame on the wall that automatically changes pictures. And every day I get the blessing of seeing all the smiles and, and everything. Um, one of my joys, and I know this is God pushing me because it's out of my... my uh, comfort zone yeah my comfort zone and and is contacting people and and uh, one of the people that comes to mind uh, that has been uplifting to me and that I've been uplifting to her is Christy Kinney and and she's had it's one of our, our one of our staff people it's her it's her mom that is battling cancer right now and yep. is in the hospital even again right now. We, we've been friends forever, and I shouldn't say forever, but long time. a long time. And she has been uplifting to me um, along the trail, but it's just, if you have somebody, take the time just to touch base. I mean, you might not have the words to say, especially in a situation where somebody has lost somebody, but just hearing your voice can be a comfort. Uh, just take, take the time. I mean, that, that's... One other thing, too, that I want to mention before we wrap up. I've seen you grow so much in your relationship with God. 
can you tell me about, about that part? Like, how have you seen this horrible last eight years that you wouldn't wish on your enemy grow your love for God? Okay. I, before everything started happening with me, um, I was, I've always been, I'm going to say a good Christian, but I really didn't take the time because I didn't think I had the time to study the Bible. Um, that, that has increased as time went on because that's all I have is t time to spend on it. Um, I spend most of my day lay, laid down, uh, but I do a lot more searching of different things, um, whether it's um, love, hope, um, just, just a, a gambit. And those little pieces that I pick up and, and some of them are very small. When I'm talking with people that are down, um, you know that it, it gives them a little spark that starts burning. Because uh, so many times when people get into chronic pain, they start shutting down, even with myself. Um, and you get into an isolation situation. And these little sparks that pass around, they'll just call and say, you know, how's your day going? What can we do? Uh, if there's something that you need or what, like this, or j just giving you that, you know that they're dealing with something worse than you have. There's always something out there. Um, if, whether uh, you're dealing with a hangnail, that hangnail is a pain that you have, and, and there, there's there's always something worse, but your your pain is, is something that's close to you, and and you can always see somebody that's in worse shape. But just reach out. Yep. Awesome. To close the message um, across campuses, we just want to take a moment to pray. And so, if you're a person right now, or you have someone close by you, like in your family, um, that's battling cancer, battling depression, um, maybe you have a failing heart disease of some kind, or you've lost a loved one, you're grieving the loss of a loved one, even if it's 10 years ago, across campuses, if you just want to stand right now, um, we just want to take a moment to pray. And so again, if you're, you're battling something, or you have a loved one that's battling something, I want to invite you to stand across campuses, even at the other churches, Macross and Boys Ranch, if that's you, if you've got a mom or a dad that's struggling with something, just want to invite you uh, to stand. My, my dad and I just love to pray for you, and I'm going to pray uh, for my dad as, as well. But let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we are, are thankful for you. Um, we're thankful that you're faithful from one generation to the next. We're thankful that when we have questions, you're still faithful. We're, we're, we're thankful that even when our health is failing, you're faithful. God, I pray across our campuses, even those joining us on Facebook right now, I pray that you would supernaturally heal us, that you would heal our bodies from the inside out, that you'd give us strength, that you'd give us peace. Um, that you give us joy in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, Lord? Would you use our life and even use this circumstance as a testimony to your goodness and faithfulness? God, we're grateful that you're a God who, when we can't walk, you carry us. We're thankful that there's no place we can go that's away from your presence, no place we can go that's away from your love. Lord, we love you. Again, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Uh, Dad, thank you so much. Uh, can we put it up and just thank, thank him for joining us? I'll hug you too. Thank you. Thank you for everything, Dad. Love you so much.
Well, to close our, 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 our message kind of officially, if you're anything like myself, you grew up singing the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. One of my favorite hymns that I'll, I'll never forget singing even as a young boy in, in Lutheran church, Catholic church growing up. But a, a, a bit of the backstory, the song was written in 1923 by a guy named Thomas Chris Holm. And Thomas became a Christian at the age of, of 27. He became a pastor at the age of 36. He was a pastor for a year uh, before his health failed and he was no longer able to do ministry. Um, he spent most of his life, I read a bunch of different places, bedridden. And for the rest of his life, uh, he had to work a desk job uh, selling life insurance. And so if you think you have it bad, just remember him selling life insurance. I'm just kidding. If you sell life insurance, God still loves you. But, but get this, uh, on the side as a hobby, uh, he wrote poems, not for anybody but himself. And one of the poems he wrote was titled, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And he later wrote in a journal, he said, my life has been greatly impacted by my impaired health. But he went on to say, although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of God and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. Powerful, right? And um, to wrap up the message at all campuses, I just want to invite you to sing. We're going to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness. The chorus is just twice. And so I would encourage you to belt it out at all campuses because I do not want to sing alone here, okay? Uh, But let's sing it. Sing it as loud as you can. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. Sing it again. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, again, we love you. We declare your faithfulness, your goodness, your provision in our lives, Lord. We just thank you. We praise you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.